Gavel, where are you? He's flying. Hmm. Bummer. Anyway, hoy chummers. It's August 28th and 29th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. Today kicks off part one of our Hunter Exotic Armor, and we're going to be talking about the body armor and boots. <laughs> Suck it, warlocks. Um, and, uh, and class items. So... Uh, it's not a big secret, but the uh, hunters are obviously the best dressed and most fashionable class. So let's get into this stuff. When we've got a group of hunters today between myself, ex- Exotic X-Ray, and Shores of Time Bit Pop. Whew. And I had to concentrate on that one. Sherbet Pop, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah. Haven't done too much in Destiny this week. Um just trying to get all the grimoire and wrap everything up and just seeing what else we can do, getting our alts worked up before Rise of Iron comes out and gives us new stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely want to be prepared and everyone's doing that differently. Some people are just walking away from the game completely until until it pops up just to keep it fresh and, and not kind of go into it in burnout mode and uh, other people are trying to get their last bit of stuff done so like the uh the moments of triumph part two or, or number two when does that end because that should be moments of triumph soon. availability is right up until the drop of rise of iron but because of the nature of some of the uh moments it requires you to kill things that rotate weekly we're now four i think four weeks out from rise of iron so, like the court stuff and that yeah that's yeah right. so it's completing challenges uh to get fragments from like war priest or golgoroth and the stuff in court of oryx with the rotating tier threes it's getting down to the wire like you've really got to start if those are things you need you've got to start soon because once the week is passed you're going to get locked out yeah yeah for sure so get out there and do that and if uh if you are in touch with us hit us up there's some of us playing and still helping people out and i'd be happy to if i'm ever on so and that guy talking was <laughs> egg drop soup slash <laughs> drop slash how's it going not too bad not too bad uh, have been playing a lot of destiny but mostly because i've been just cranking away on getting these episodes done so we can have them ready in the lead up to rise of iron uh and then like i said past few weeks i've been playing a lot of diablo 3 uh, I made a demon hunter. <laughs> Ooh, yes. And I didn't realize that one of their attacks is basically uh, Death Blossom from Overwatch. Uh, Reaper's <laughs> super. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just that's a... spin around shooting. Yeah, they also uh, have like a tether, Yep, which is pretty fun too. And I was playing yesterday, and I killed one of those little goblins with a bag, and then I got sucked into, like, a rainbow kid's dimension where I was being attacked by teddy bears and purple unicorns. It was really weird. Yeah, yeah. If you can make the, uh, I think it's called the Staff of Herding, yep, maybe? Yeah, I have one. You can go to uh, where there's, like, a, a cow corpse, and it'll take you, you talk to that cow and show him your staff, and he'll open up that same little dimension, and you can go in there and, and fight whenever you want. It's so weird. Yeah, it's 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 cool. <laughs> it's funny. It was uh, you know, because they always had that cow level, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone was like, oh, is the cow level coming back? And they're like, nope, nope, it's not coming back. And sure enough, when someone found that, you know, it was all hyped up again. But then they found out it wasn't really the cow level. So, But it's nice. I can work on notes, work on notes, work on notes, and then like run a few riffs, work on notes, work on notes, work on notes, you know, just sort of farm stuff up and and jam out. I'm, re- I'm still loving playing the monk class in Diablo. Yeah. And then I was following along with uh, the Guardian Community Con that happened this weekend. So we had Gabble out there, and he was sort of reporting back to us uh, constantly. So it was fun to vicariously attend through that. Yeah, he was telling some stories, and and uh, I can't. I mean, I'm still in shock of of the people that know us in the community. And he said that he was actually like getting asked for his autograph or for him to sign stuff. <laughs> And uh, and he said at one point he was like walking on one side of the street and there were like three people on the other side of the street and they started screaming his name. And I'm like, what was going on? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> He's so cool. But yeah, he met up with uh, Kel of Kells from, from our Slack chat. Yep. He's one of our listeners and they hung out a little bit. And then he uh, also was hanging out with the Destiny Reset guys. Um, met, he, you know, he's got some great pictures with, you know, Cosmo and Luke Smith and... Uh, you know, he attended the podcasting panel, uh, which had uh, Bones from Guardian Radio and, or from, sorry, from Crucible Radio and uh, Bell, um, Turk, and some other some other folks. And it was it was cool. I actually tuned in on Twitch and watched that, and it was it was pretty fun. Just the you know they were answering questions from the uh, Discord channel that they had set up, and and it was great. I don't know if they've archived any of that for people to go back and watch, but. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely fun to, to see these people and, and kind of a little out of character to some degree because they're not totally focused on their show as opposed to just, yeah. you know, talking to people. So, so that was really neat. And there were a lot of different panels and stuff that I wasn't able to watch. So I need to find it if they've, if they've, uh, put those somewhere on Twitch and maybe it's on their channel. So nice. But, yeah. Oh, and, and so next year, if anyone's planning on attending, uh, apparently they've moved it into July, and it's becoming Guardian Con. Is that right? Are we allowed to announce that? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, because uh, I saw Gathalion tweet that out. Okay, sweet. And he's, he said we'll be getting more information come November. Excellent. So And we'll definitely be more involved with the next one. Or yeah, I'm planning, planning on, to. yeah, I plan on, on, you know, as soon as we know the date, making sure I've got enough time off and, and, plan ahead uh you know it was kind of kind of last minute when i started thinking about going and then just didn't didn't work out so sweet we'll have our own panel you can challenge me to a destiny lore trivia challenge you what (laughs) crazy i might do all right in like the witty banter portion (laughs) but that's about it so we'll have a we'll have a tournament we'll have a a fastest raid a a best of five uh, elimination in the crucible private match and then we'll have a trivia 1v1 me bro <laughs> guys i can't uh i'm i'm definitely excited about private matches but i'm not looking forward to how many times i'm gonna see 1v1 me bro posted places <laughs> so it won't be a real 1v1 because you'll have to have a third person there to record the whole thing ah Still, though, <laughs> I hear it enough now, and it's not even a thing. So, all right, 
Let's get into this a little bit. Thanks and announcements. We don't have much, um, but I have to I have to talk about this because it's oh man, it, it's a touchy subject. But if you've listened to us, you know that we accept everyone for who they are and what they believe and what they think. And so we got a review on iTunes, another one star. And again, I know we said we weren't going to read these, but this one I think deserves a little, a little discussion, uh, probably just for me. But it was unnecessary religious insult. The comment was the offhanded religious insult toward God was unnecessary, and that's from O O C E E zero zero. Um. Well, just so that we are reminded of what the insult was, this is, back this is in my the. Fault. Well, no, it's not. It's no one's fault. It's, I mean, back when we were talking about the ram helmet drop at one point, we, we talked about, I think it was the book of Isaiah. There was, a, there was a quote in there from that. And you just mentioned, you said, the Old Testament God can be a real dick. <laughs> and you know what? It's absolutely true. And if you're going to, I guess give us a one star because of one thing that was said over 39 ish episodes. Well, that's fine. You can, you can do that. No big deal. But I challenge you to go back to the old Testament and I can give you some references, but show me where God wasn't being a dick whenever he, uh, whenever he turned Lot's wife to salt or, Sending bears to murder children, or uh, what else? Hating ugly people. There's this whole article I've been reading Cheating about it. Cheating at wrestling. Cheating at wrestling. Genocide. Oh my gosh, so much, right? Um, just you know, killing. Just just everything. The plagues, and I mean, Old Testament God was a complete jerk, and that's fine. And, and I'm saying this coming from a religious background. I, I go to church every Sunday. Um, it's none of your business what I believe. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't need to know what anyone else believes. It's it's your should be a personal thing for you, and it shouldn't be publicized unless you want to do that. But it's you know, go read your go read your Bible. I've I've read my share, and I want to I want to talk about this. So the the one of the biggest things was the Book of Job. That guy. Oh my gosh, God was the biggest jerk of all to this poor poor guy and essentially this guy this guy job he was he loved god he worshiped him he was the epitome of just doing the right thing and not you know cursing god's name and not blaming him and 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 so much so that satan went to god and said hey the only reason this guy loves you so much is because he's rich, he's got a ton of livestock, he's got a ton of kids, and God's like, you know what, if, uh, if you think that's the only reason, you can do anything you want to that guy except harm him physically. So what's Satan do? Kills his kids, kills the livestock, and God lets all this happen, right? And he still doesn't budge. Job still doesn't blame God for any of it. And it keeps going on to where finally, you know, he goes back to God, goes back to Satan, and, and Satan's like, yeah, didn't do anything, but I'll bet because, you know, we didn't do anything physical, that's why. So what happens? They put him, they give him these painful boils and, and just 
disease. And I mean, he's like in agonizing pain through most of the book. And you should, again, go read it the whole time. And finally, he just asked God to kill him. He's like, God, please kill me. And God's like, wait, what? Are you giving up kind of thing? And because he showed such great resolve over the whole thing, he ends up, God ends up giving him back all the stuff that he lost. But still, that whole kind of trial that he had to go through, that's a dick move right there. And there's one line here that, that kind of gives you an idea of this devout person. He says, but if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he was at work in the north, I, did not, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me and many such plans he still has in store. That is why I'm terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. That was from Job 23. And people were scared of God because he was a dick. And everyone knew it. And so if you don't agree with that, I'm sorry, but it's in the good book and you can go check it out. So anyway, that's it. That's my rant. Um, You know, if you're going to talk about stuff, go check your sources. We do. So that's some serious lore right there. That is, man. And that's oh, oh, also, if uh, I that one always sticks in my head um, for one, because it's just so kind of eerie. And two, uh, it it was made a little more popular um, during episode 10 of The Leftovers on HBO. And it was used basically to uh, kind of uh, enforce or describe the the horrible nature of the disappearance of a huge percentage of the Earth's population. So they read it at the wake of someone who died. And uh, and it was pretty moving then, too. That's a a good, good series. I really like that one, but... All right, that's it. That's all I got. Well, we have some uh, some corrections. Uh, just one uh, Starfire Protocol, and I think I mentioned when I was reading this that Cosmology would correct me if I got anything wrong. And he, <laughs> you know he will, and he did. Uh, and he just pointed out that the recombination occurred three hundred eighty thousand years uh, after the Big Bang, not million. And in my notes, I had. Uh, 380,000, and I just said million on the show when he caught it, so good catch, Cosmology. Well, cool. So I think that's that's it. And then also, <laughs> just because we just looked this up, uh, was Teemer an airbender? We were, <laughs> we were just <laughs> oh, looking yeah. at the memory of Teemer artifact that's coming in Rise of Iron, and the logo on it is very similar to the airbender logo from Avatar. So Zane will appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that'll be. I can't wait for some of that new stuff to come out. That'll be fun to start investigating. Yes. Look, um, looking forward to it. But today we're going to talk about stuff that uh, will be. Well, I guess it'll be around still, but older stuff in the game that we won't need to investigate because we've already done it. And that's going to be our hunter armor. That's so right. what's our? What are we going to start with? We're going to start with body armor first. 
and we're going to start with uh, a year one piece and then move to a year two piece and then we're going to talk about sort of the most lore heavy uh, probably one of the most lore heavy pieces in the entire game but first things first we're going to cover lucky raspberry so and i'm going to read the little symbols here because they're an important reference so it's uh the little carrot no one has ever died wearing me hashtag it's true she leaves the unworthy before they fall <laughs> uh, in year one the exotic perk was improved arc bolt grenade uh, arc bolt grenades chain farther and you spawn with grenade energy uh, and that broke down to arc bolts it increased the number of people that the arc bolt grenade would chain through from three to four uh, and it increased the trigger blast radius of the grenade itself so there was when this first came out people used to argue over whether it was further or farther in the text and it turns out it's both <laughs> Oh, really? Yes. So it, it chains f uh, farther from where you throw the grenade, the blast radius, and it goes further through more people. Weird. Uh, and then you spawn with grenade energy. Uh, this is not limited to arc bolt grenades, even though the first part of the perk is. It works with gunslingers and it works with night stalkers as well. Uh, and there was part of a glitch there that we'll talk about as we get further down. The perks in year one were carry more fusion rifle ammo and carry more heavy weapon ammo. We mentioned during the Warlock episodes that this originally gave the option for Sleeper Simulant to carry 11 shots back in the early days of Sleeper because of the way the, the ammo perks rolled out. So you could do the same thing here with Lucky Raspberry. In year two, the name of the perk was changed to Make Your Luck. Uh, and it's the same thing. Arc bolt grenade chains further, and they changed the wording a bit here to respawn with full grenade energy. Uh, and in year two, Lucky Raspberry will always roll with Discipline, which makes sense because it's a grenade-based exotic, <clears throat> and it will always roll with Arc Armor. Uh, the perk symbol is the Arc Bolt Grenade symbol. And then let's get into some uh, lore and notes here. The first part I mentioned, uh, the carrot and the hashtag. So the flavor text formatting uh, is a reference to the Raspberry programming platform, uh, Raspberry Pi, and which you can use multiple languages to program for. But the syntax here is the, the little carrot there is for program output. And the second line, the hashtag, is a comment, uh, as if somebody was commenting out of <laughs> the programming here, the hash sign. So, in little inside programming joke. Uh, as for the second part of the flavor text, uh, which is the comment itself, she leaves the unworthy before they fall is commonly attributed to the concept of Lady Luck, uh, who will always leave you before you fall. <laughs> <laughs> so, that tied together sort of makes the... The Lucky Raspberry, it seems to be this sort of, that's what the reference here is to, is to Lady Luck, but there's some other things that, that tie into this. Uh, it could possibly be an Elder Scrolls reference. There's a piece of armor in that game called the Lord's Mail, and in its description, one of the lines says, It is said that wherever Caneth deigns the wearer unworthy, the Lord's Mail will be taken away and hidden for the next chosen one. Sort of implying that 
should the wearer be unworthy, it's going to go find somebody else, <clears throat> similar to Lucky Raspberry. Then there's also a note here that this could also be a reference to the One Ring, which abandoned its wearers, uh, Isliadur and Gollum, uh, and was awesome, often talked about as if it had a will or mind of its own. <clears throat> so those are the, the major references to Lucky Raspberry. Uh, out of all the exotics we talk about, I feel like this the name of this one has the possibility of being maybe an inside joke at Bungie. <laughs> uh, but there's no way to confirm that without talking to somebody there. <clears throat> this this was uh this was one of my first exotics and I wore it so much. Yes, I did too. I wore this a lot in year one. Yeah. Uh, and and it sure seemed like it chained a lot further than further or farther than uh <laughs> Than just four people, four four enemies. Well, I mean, I, I never counted to be honest with you. Yeah, no, no, I didn't either. But it should. I mean, I could tell. It felt like I could tell a difference, but I I never paid attention. But but when you say it, you know, from three to four, it doesn't sound like that much more. <clears throat> well, it's funny because in PVE, that's not a huge thing that's noticed. But if you throw a grenade into a pack of people in the Crucible. And it bounces between four. You'll definitely notice that. It's like, yeah, it's true. It's like the assist grenade body armor. <laughs> uh, yep. Lucky Raspberry, along with Void Fang vestments, were part of an infinite grenade glitch in year one. I'm not sure if I mentioned this during the Void Fang episode. I think I mentioned the Omnigool back room uh, technique of infinitely respawning from somebody and keep throwing grenades. Uh, but there was an actual glitch. <clears throat> Uh, and I saved that for Lucky Raspberry. Uh, in year one, you could throw a grenade and then quickly switch your grenade type in the menu before it detonated. This is probably next-gen only, because if you played on Xbox 360 or PS3, it took 14,000 years for your menu to open. Uh, and you could trigger the spawn with grenade energy perk and instantly recharge your grenade. Uh, this is how a lot of people soloed the Nightfall. Uh, I've done this glitch. I know that it worked back in the day, so you had to be quick about it. But yeah, you could throw a grenade, quickly change your grenade type and back, and that triggers the energy respawn and yeah, infinite grenades. Uh, as mentioned in year one, it was part of the 11 sleeper shot glitch. Well, not year one, but oh, you had to wear the year one version of Lucky Raspberry to do that. Uh, along with Heart of the Praxic Fire, Void Fang Vestiments, <clears throat> Lucky Raspberry was originally left behind in year two, but was brought forward with the April update, the Taken Spring. Uh, and the recent nerf to arc bolt grenades has pushed poor Raspberry off the radar of most play dancers. I think skip <laughs> skip grenades the po the popular choice these days. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Lucky Raspberry as a hunter exotic. <clears throat> wait, it's funny. You know, we talk about characters like Eris now, and we know so much about them, but. Back when uh, the Dark Below dropped, nobody really knew who Eris was, and everybody was convinced that she was a warlock. But one of the big arguments against that was that she wore Lucky Raspberry, or a slight variant of Lucky Raspberry, which is her armor, which lended heavily to the theory that she was a hunter, and was later confirmed that she was. So That is, uh, is Lucky Raspberry. I wore that quite. I never wore this over Mask of the Third Man, though. Uh, Mask of the Third Man was my go-to year one uh, Blade Dancer exotic. Yeah, and that just gives you 
what's that? It lasts longer, right? Your yes. arc. Yeah. yeah. You would get, I think, it, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk. Oh, about that's it. right. We will, won't we? Uh, I think <laughs> it moved 11 swings to 15, I think, was the, in year one. Wow. So, well, <laughs> all right. So uh, up next, we've got the ATS slash 8 Tarantella. And its uh, flavor text reads, Pizio Weave induces, did I say that right? Yep. Before I get in trouble. All right. Pizio Weave induces controlled muscle spasms to improve combat performance. Um, and we have here that... Uh, There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. ATS stands for a lot of different things, or could possibly stand for a lot of different things. So we've got ATS Fuses. ATS is a programming language, uh, and it stands for Applied Type System. Mm-hmm. Also, we've got uh, Automated Targeting System, IBM, Administrative Terminal, uh, and then what's the, what's the in parentheses there, the 360? Oh, the, that is system. That what it was yeah, the IBM Administrative Terminal System is called ATS 360. Ah, I got it, got it. Yeah, and then uh, we also have the, oh man, Auto Techniches? Oh man, some German, <laughs> some German thing. <laughs> Oh, Auto Techniches Spezenzubler. Spezenzubler. Yeah, Spezenzubler is what it looks like. It's a German wheel manufacturer and sponsor of Formula One racing. I included that because Blade Dancers move fast like Formula One cars. And apparently there's a lot more, but we are not going to going down that list. Yeah. Realistically, though, it just stands for Advanced Tactical Sensorium. Uh, and you can find that on the ATS-8 Arachnid helmet. So, and then uh, the Tarantella, the uh, it's an Italian pronunciation, and uh, is a group of various folk dances characterized by a fast, upbeat tempo, usually in six-eight time, sometimes eighteen-eight or four-four time, but it's accompanied by tambourines. Hmm. Fast dancing with tambourines. That sounds like fun. Uh, <laughs> it's among the most recognized forms of uh, of traditional Southern Italian music, and the specific dance name, it'll vary uh, in every kind of region. So it's uh, popular in Southern Italy and Argentina. Yep. So, well, and then Tarantella comes from uh, Tarantism, which has roots in Greek myths. Uh, and it was a word used to describe people who were dancing so sort of quickly and spastically that it looked like they had bitten, been bitten by a tarantula <laughs> uh, and it was causing convulsions. So we'll come back to that. But that tarantella referring to tarantula is an important reference, especially later on when we talk about the ATS-8 arachnid. <clears throat> But Pizio Weave, yeah, there's a lot here on Pizio, huh? This uh, is actually yeah. really cool. Uh, I'll go through this a little bit. Uh, but this is actually viable tech. Uh, we talk about a lot of, like, crazy, you know, like, bullets that report back and the easy-bake bullet oven and all kinds of this wacky tech we've talked about, like, turning people's brains into pure thought energy this tech is actually really current and really feasible uh, in today's world. So, <clears throat> piezoelectricity is the electric charge that accumulates in certain solid materials such as crystals, ceramics, biological matter like bone, DNA, and various proteins. 
in response to applied mechanical stress. The word piezoelectricity means electricity resulting from pressure. Uh, so it was discovered in 1880 by two French physicists, Jacques and Pierre Curie. Uh, piezo, the piezoelectric effect <clears throat> is the ability of certain materials to generate an electrical charge in response uh, to uh, applied mechanical stress. And this is going to be important. Before I go on with this, we should read the perks for the Tarantella. So in year two, the Tarantella, the name of the perk is the Tarantella, take reduced arc damage from minions of the darkness and arc grenades and arc blade charge faster. So then we'll jump back to this uh, piezoelectricity thing. Uh, so the piezoelectricity is found in useful applications such as the production and detection of sound, generation of high voltages, electronic frequency generation, microbalances, uh, and ultrafine focusing of optical assemblies. Uh, and that goes into... This is this whole thing on accelerometers and using miniature piezoelectric transducers that are attached to simulated muscles, and then the muscle contractions generate voltage. Uh, and this is all real-world tech. <clears throat> so it seems that this piezo weave that the Tarantella is made out of serves sort of two purposes here. Uh, so... Of all the crazy sci-fi, futuristic golden age tech we find in Destiny, this is remarkably grounded, haha, uh, and feasible piece of technology. The system here seems to be that the piezo weave constricts the wearer's muscles to generate an electrical charge, then cycles that charge into arc blade and grenade energy, possibly taking some of the excess to then reapply to the tactical systems that guide the muscular movement, and the cycle continues. So, uh, it's like wearing a shock vest. <laughs> <laughs> but when the shock vest makes your muscles contract, it then captures the electric the voltage generated by your muscles contracting and feeds them back into your grenades. Uh, and then the induces controlled muscle spasms uh, is similar to the Tarantella dance, hence the name Tarantella. This is actually one of the more well thought out exotics that I that we've come across. I never I never played with it that much. Um, I wear it uh, pretty much all the time now. I, it's, this is the exotic I've given up Mask of the Third Man for. So, And there is no Pizio Weave, really, that exists, but there is a Pizio Wave. Uh, it is, in fact, a shock therapy system <laughs> created by... Uh, what is he? This non-invasive device by Richard Wolf Medical Instruments is a true focused EWST that offers a practitioner less noise and patient discomfort while providing superior treatment control. Uh, it's a really fancy shock therapy device. <laughs> uh, so, if you're if you're in the market for one, check out the Pizio Wave Vet Extracorporeal Shockwave Therapy System. <laughs> And acoustic compression therapy. Available at stores near you. Yeah. Uh, uh, as for arc blade and grenades charging faster. So if you're running tier 5 discipline, your grenades will recharge in 22 seconds. So it, it subtracts 3 seconds from your charge time since tier 5 is a 25 second recharge. And if you are tier 5 intellect, intellect... Uh, 
<laughs> That's a four-minute recharge normally, and if you're wearing the Tarantella, it'll knock 18 seconds off that down to 342. So. I normally don't run Blade Dancer anymore unless I'm trying to do arc-specific bounties, and in that case, this armor is awesome for that. Yeah, sounds like it. <clears throat> ATS-8 can roll can never roll strength and will always roll both arc defense and arc armor, which makes sense given the perk reduced arc damage. Uh, the symbol is the arc energy symbol with two blades sticking out of it. And we've got a whole bunch of notes uh, and some sketchy history with this, this particular piece. And Warlocks, I'm sorry for some of the things I'm about to read. <laughs> so this is one of two hunter exotics with the ATS-8 designation, the other being the ATS-8 Arachnid. Uh, both have spider-related names and share distinct visual similarities. Uh, the eyes on the Arachnid helmet appear on the chest of the Tarantella, though there is no indication that they play into the armor's perks. Uh, the Arachnid has 24 of them on it, and the Tarantella has 13. The Tarantella is a uniquely Blade Dancer exotic, uh, while the Arachnid is uniquely Gunslinger. As of this recording, there are no Night Stalker-specific ATS-8 exotics. So here's to hoping for ATS-8 gloves or boots for Night Stalkers in the next expansion. I don't know what they do, but... <clears throat> Although it'd be awesome if they're going to keep the spider theme with the tether, just, you know, it unlocks... Uh, the black hole perk or something like that. Although black hole and bloodbound would be really broken together. Uh, Maybe it could unlock something like the um, oh, what's that perk called? The one where you can leave them as traps. Oh, predator. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Because that makes sense from a spider sort of thing. Very true. Also, I would take boots that make you jump really far, like a jumping spider. <laughs> Like, not like Bones of Ao, where you get an extra jump, but just, like, double jump height and distance. You could just, like... Yeah, you get all the height and distance of a triple jump, but with one jump. That would be awesome. And, like, <laughs> with, like, the sort of a catapult speed as well. Oh, that would be so good. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I could break the game so much easier by jumping places I shouldn't. Also, you could get way up high and get really sneaky with your bow. It's funny how, it is a complete aside, that, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Arachnid as well, is that in Destiny, more so than a lot of other games, verticality is really important. Uh, I think we were just, were we talking, or maybe I was, no, I was talking, I think, to you guys in the last episode, maybe it was an outtake, about Titan jumping and the kind of height they can get and the range of movement they have in the air. It's such an aerial component to yeah. Destiny. Oh, yeah. Just think about, you know, the raids alone. You know, starting off with the Vault of Glass, your big drops oh, yeah. into, the, into the different areas. And then, I mean, just the, the whole thing is just, like you said, vertical and, and ridiculous how much ground you have to cover going up hills or jumping up onto things or over things. And so it gets, uh, makes it, makes it a lot more. Gives, it, gives the game a lot more depth. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So the Tarantella initially caused quite a stir due to its appearance in the uh, Insula Thesauria, which was Treasure Island, Cage Journal, before becoming available in the game. Uh, it was thought to be uh, everything from Akita cracking the codes, which some of them were, still remain uncracked in Cage Journal. Some of them were figured out very quickly, and that led to the emblem that was available. Uh, or to part of the plot to reveal Sleeper Simulant. Uh, there was a lot of... We talked about this when we talked about Sleeper. There was tons of theories about Sleeper at the time, and a lot of them revolved around the possibility of somebody finding the Tarantella and then, like, getting 11 kills with it or an 11-kill streak with it, and that opened a certain door. Or the Tarantella was a big, sort of a big part of a lot of those early theories because of its appearance in the journal. The Tarantella itself first appeared in the Taken King launch trailer. Uh, it had a white shader on at the time. Alongside a Titan who is wearing immolation fists and a warlock wearing transversive steps. Uh, transverse steps. So if you listen to our exotics part one, you'll know that transverse steps never made it into the game. So sorry, warlocks. Later on in that same video, uh, they played a clip of the Night Stalker quest scene where you first pick up the Dusk Bow, uh, and the hunter in that cutscene was also wearing the Tarantella, the black version. Uh, and unfortunately, in that same video, there was a small clip of a warlock wearing Astrocyte Verse, and they also <laughs> never got that either. It's a really cool scene, too. It's a, a warlock Nova bombing an ogre with Astrocyte Verse on it. It just looks so cool. But... So in that reveal, yeah, that Taking King launch trailer, uh, Titans got their Immolation Fists, we got our Tarantellas, but the poor Warlocks never got either Transverse Steps nor Astrocyte Verse. Uh, and then after the Taking King was released, there was justified doubt, given the lack of some of the other exotics, uh, that Tarantella didn't, hadn't actually been put in the game. They thought it was similar to uh, Astrocyte and Transverse uh, but it turns out it was only available via engrams that were acquired by three of coins. So you could not get it from one of the engrams that Zuri used to sell. Or if you had any engrams stocked up before the expansion dropped, those would not decrypt into Tarantella either. Uh, so it had a pretty slow rollout. Uh, the same thing happened with Twilight Garrison. So when they first started to show up, people were like, what? Is, is it a glitch? Is it a bug? And then eventually it was figured out that only three of coins and grams could get you Tarantella. And then in the SRL update, which makes sense, Destiny 2.1.0, the Tarantella's arc protection was extended to any vehicles you were riding in. So, fun fact, if you're out, uh, this happens all the time in the moth yards. If you park your sparrow somewhere and then a super legit dreg throws a pinpoint arc grenade right on top of your sparrow, <laughs> which has happened to me many times. Happens, the Tarantella. To <laughs> happens to me on the moon. They, they, dregs have the best throwing arms in the game. Yep. Uh, your Tarantella will protect, will protect your sparrow. That's awesome. Yes. Yes, the number of times I've been speeding past some, some of the stupid dregs on, like, um, that what's that first area in the moon called? The Archer's Line? Yeah, Archer's Line. And they'll just throw it like across the map and it lands on my sparrow and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to let it blow up. I'm not even mad. That was an amazing <laughs> shot. 
Like, you deserve to hit me with this grenade. <laughs> the same thing happens to me in the moth yards. I'll park my sparrow up on top of one of the planes and I'll wait for like a public event or something. And I'll just be sitting there minding my own business. Uh, and then my controller, I'll be looking away. My controller was vibrating on my desk. And it's because a dreg has thrown a grenade, like a blind, straight vertical shot that somehow arced and landed directly on top of my sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Amazing. Impressive. I'll just, I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> If I die, I deserve that. <laughs> I hope those Taken dregs don't have that kind of accuracy in... Not Taken dregs, the uh, Siva dregs. Mm-hmm. I was just reading the latest Game Informer article and they're talking about if you get a headshot on a dreg now, like it has a chance to spawn something else that will come hunt you down and chase you around. What? Yeah, headshots are going to be a, a risk versus reward thing now against dregs. But headshots are my thing. <laughs> I run MITRE. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you could you could take out a pack of dregs all with headshots and suddenly you have a pack of something else chasing you. I could try and get body shots and MITRE would be like, no, nope, we're doing headshots today. <laughs> you could aim at the sky and you'd still get a headshot. I, I aim from the hip, I still get headshots. <laughs> Which I'm told that, you know, I shouldn't be allowed to carry MITRE if I'm just going to fire it from the hip, but still. Headshots yeah. all around. That's Mita, not that's not Mita, good news. Mita is so good. Mita is great. We're gonna talk about. Are we, are we gonna talk about the Mita build in this? Oh yeah, because we're gonna talk about Radiant Dance Machines. The Radiant Dance Machines oh, yeah. Mita build. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> Agility. But first, yes. okay. Last body armor and one that we're gonna be talking. This will be a little bit longer. There's a lot of lore here. Crest of Alpha Lupi. You've heard every last tale of the wolf by now. None of them are true. You are the wolf. The exotic perk in year one is Keeper of the Pack. You revive fallen teammates faster, and they revive you faster. Your super also spawns additional orbs for teammates. In year one, it rolled with hand cannon ammo and special ammo. In year two, still Keeper of the Pack, but the wording was changed a little bit. Revive fallen teammates fast. Revive fallen teammates and be revived faster. Supers generate an extra orb. Uh, Crest of Alpha Lupi will always roll with intelligence, and the perk symbol is the Keeper of the Pack symbol, which we talked about. Same as Light Beyond Nemesis. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So the first things first. You've heard every last tale of the Wolf by now. No, we haven't. <laughs> In fact, we're about to get an expansion about Tales of Wolves. So, all the wolves. All the wolves and their tales. <laughs> uh, the revive teammates faster and they revive you faster. We mentioned this when we talked about Light Beyond Nemesis. That does not stack. Uh, so two people both wearing it do not reap double benefits from it. Sorry, I'm just seeing if that was not Gavel Game Online. <laughs> uh and in the original year one flavor text, it said uh, your super spawns additional orbs, plural, for teammates. Uh, and it was not. It just spawned one. And that was changed in the year two version of the flavor text. Uh, we mentioned that fallen revive fallen teammates was reduced in patch 2.2.0. It was originally a 40% speed increase. And now it's only a 30% speed increase. And the tooltip reads completely differently, not completely differently, but differently from the actual text on the exotic. The tooltip reads, supers generate an extra orb, 
revive and be revived faster. It's like the TLDR version of the perk. Okay, that's the mechanics out of the way. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Alpha Lupi, the crest, the keeper of the pack, and things like that. <clears throat> Alpha Lupi is the name of the brightest star in the Lupus constellation. Uh, its translation literally means Alpha Wolf, and that motif appears many times in Destiny. Uh, one of the most popular theories uh, in Destiny is that in the the Grimoire suggest or the Grimoire suggests that the Traveler is in fact Alpha Lupi. The Traveler's Grimoire cards are titled Dreams of Alpha Lupi, and they are framed as someone speaking to the Traveler and the Traveler itself speaking. Uh, for reference, those are Ghost Fragment the Traveler, Ghost Fragment the Traveler 2, Ghost Fragment the Traveler 3, Ghost Fragment Darkness 2, Ghost Fragment Mercury, Ghost Fragment Venus, Earth, Moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Uh, and I have a note here that Dreams of Alpha Lupi is my white whale in Destiny. As someone who studies the lore, I have devoted dozens and dozens and dozens of hours just to studying Alpha Lupi. I have a huge document about it. Uh, it is, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Dark City, when they find the guy who, the detective's partner who went insane trying to find a way out of the city, and his like, entire apartment, his little room is just covered in markings and sketches and all these crazy notations about <laughs> trying to discover a way out of the Dark City. That's what my little space looks like <laughs> concerning <laughs> Alpha Lupi. <laughs> Uh, it's just drop drops apartment with all the things hanging from the ceiling and the strings on the wall all connecting to the traveler. Oh, that's right. Should should we be worried? <laughs> yeah. Uh, only if I disappear. And when you said that, all I could think about was, uh, oh, what's that movie with Jim Carrey? Like whenever he plays that real dark character. Twenty, was it twenty three? No. Oh, like some like the, number. Yeah, like the number twenty three or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. That movie was on the other night, and I watched it, and man, talk about crazy. There's also in Seven, when they first break into John Doe's apartment. Yeah, yes. All of his notebooks and stuff yeah. are just crazy. Yeah, so if I disappear, and you come looking for me, that's what you're going to find, except it's all going to be <laughs> Alpha Lupi stuff. Hooray. Uh, a little note here. If this is truly the case, it explains why the Crest of Alpha Lupi grants faster revives and spawns more orbs of light. It's directly connected to the Traveler. Uh, all of the planets that I just listed uh, in Dreams of Alpha Lupi were discovered in Bungie's uh, ARG, their alternate reality game that led up to the launch of Destiny, which was called Alpha Lupi. Uh, the image that at the end... Uh, which was the end reward is a picture of the text and what looks like to be a map uh, all patched together with specific lines. I have this chart printed out and I look at it all the time. This is the Alpha Lupi map. This design appears all over Destiny, not just in Alpha Lupi. Uh, it is the image on the floor beneath the Nexus Mind in that particular strike. You can also find this on the Shores of Time uh, in the one of the very back corners, uh, which could lead to the whole Pujari thing, who left off, left, 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 
leapt off <laughs> the shores of time. I can talk. Uh, so whether that ties into it all. The Nexus floor, though, there's a sphere missing. Uh, the Alpha Lupi map corresponds to the Templar well uh, in the Vault of Glass and the Oracle spawn pattern. Uh, that spawn pattern and the chimes made by the oracles connects to Song of the Spheres, which is a reference to that back to that design from Alpha Lupi. So it's a deep hole. I'm sure one of these days we'll do an episode on Alpha Lupi and it will just be me ranting like an insane person. <laughs> uh, but it's going to come up again. It'll come up again when we talk about the Vault of Glass, and it's going to come up again when we talk about some of the other things, like the Black Garden. Uh, but Alpha Lupi is a deep hole. <clears throat> so, that's that. <laughs> we talked about this when we talked about the Gallarhorn episode, that the wolf heads and motifs on Crest of Alpha Lupi are identical to many of the ones found on Gallarhorn. The wolf head with the wings behind it. Implying that the famed rocket launcher was made from a whole bunch of these, which begs the question, why were so many Guardians wearing the Crest of Alpha Lupi in a PvE instance, which would have been a... Why am I drawing a blank? I've I've, I've been doing so much research in the six fronts, I have six front stuff stuck in my head. Uh, oh, um... Twilight Gap, sorry. Yeah. Whoa, jeez. <laughs> I got I got dragged into an alpha loop by hole and forgot about Battle of Twilight Gap. Uh, so both this, you can see it if you look at this armor, and the same if you look at uh, the Titan version of it as well. The the motifs are all the same. That that's a that wolf head's a popular symbol. Oh, I have it right here. <laughs> Crest of Alpha Lupi wasn't the only wolf themed item at the Battle of Twilight Gap. Uh, Anna Bray famously wore the strength of the pack, a golden white cloak with a wolf head emblazoned on the back. Oh, why did I put Twilight Gap there? Oh, well. I mean, six fronts. <clears throat> anyway. So that's sort of a lot of the lore behind Crest of Alpha Lupi, this very much seemed like back in the early Guardian days. This was a very popular piece of equipment, so much so that Feasial Cruise was able to make a whole bunch of rocket launchers based around how many of them fell on the battlefield. Uh, back in those early days, if this was a direct connection to the Traveler or was somehow provided by the Traveler or the Traveler was somehow involved, this arguably be a very powerful piece of equipment uh, for Guardians. So this, there's a rare few direct connections back to the Traveler for us as Guardians. Like, we have our ghosts, but, you know, it's very much a the Traveler moves in mysterious ways kind of thing where we're blessed by its light and we're able to capitalize on that. But, but there's not a lot of direct connections straight to uh, the Traveler. But if the Traveler is, in fact, Alpha Lupi, then that makes this the crest of the Traveler. And this is... A direct connection. Uh, Alpha Lupi itself in our current state uh, is a blue giant star of spectral type B1.53. It is the brightest star in the southern constellation of Lupus. Uh, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about light beyond Nemesis, where Alpha Lupi was literally the light beyond Nemesis. 
Uh, and again, if you start getting into metaphors where Nemesis represents mass extinction and Alpha Lupi represents the light beyond it, then the Traveler being the light beyond our extinction event uh, sort of makes sense. Uh, the star is located at a distance of about 460 light years from Earth. Uh, it is a beta Cephei variable, pulsating in brightness uh, every seven hours and six minutes. You can find Lupus in the deep southern sky between Centaurus and Scorpius. Uh, its name is the Latin word for wolf, and it contains nine main stars. Nine is not an insignificant number in Destiny. <laughs> uh, the constellation was not associated with any animal in particular until the Renaissance times, uh, when the Latin translation of Ptolemy's work identified it with the wolf. Uh, depicted as a wolf speared by a centaur in readiness for sacrifice. Uh, and it connected Lupus to the constellation Ara, which is the altar. So, uh, just a note on Ptolemy. A few months ago, there was somebody attempted to do another ARG on the Destiny subreddit. Uh, and it had everybody going crazy. There's all kinds of weird hints and clues and putting puzzle pieces together. But within the text of that, there was a Rasputin subroutine Ptolemy. Uh, <clears throat> Rasputin subroutine Ptolemy. Uh, with a subcommand inside called Atheon Pigeon. So that's the connection there. Uh, worth noting, Alpha Lupi is 10 times more massive than our sun and 25,000 times more luminous. So it's not an insignificant brightness. <laughs> Do you want to take this one about the Imperial Guards, Sherb? Uh, what was that? Uh, the you added you you added the pronunciation. Oh no, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read all the Greek though. Oh well, I mean. Oh, but now you got to try. You always make me try, so go for it. <laughs> At least that's in English characters. Well, I mean, uh, the A is alpha. That's alpha lupi, beta lupi, yeah. epsilon lupi, pi, uh, pi lupi. I guess pi i lupi. <laughs> nice. I'm just gonna skip that. Okay, skip in it. Chinese, Kekuan, <laughs> which said Shi Guan, uh, meaning Imperial Guards, refers to an asterism consisting of all the Lupi stars, etc., 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 and Centauri <laughs> in the middle there. Uh, yeah. Consequently, Alpha Lupi itself is known as Qi Guan Shi, uh, in English, the tenth star of Imperial Guards, which uh, not one of the nine. Uh, which you said drop reminds you of the 53rd moon of the fundament. Yes, the Traveler was the 53rd moon. It was not one of the actual moons of the fundament. And Alpha Lupi is the 10th star of the Imperial Guards, uh, not one of the nine. So It's 52 and 1. Yes. So, uh, and I have a note here about Crest of Alpha Lupi, regardless of its deep connections with sort of uh, Alpha Lupi, the story, the dreams, the Twilight Gap, Gallerhorn, like all these closed ties, a lot of people hate this particular piece of armor. Uh, and that is because at the start of year two, uh, it was the only hunter chest exotic that was readily available. 
We talked about how the Carantella was only available through three of Coins engrams, and uh, Lucky Raspberry had not yet been brought forward. So if you were decrypting an body armor engram that didn't come from three of coins on your hunter, you were guaranteed to get Crest of Alpha Lupi. <laughs> uh, that was not a fun time <laughs> because uh, Zer sold some good engrams back in the day and there was a lot of people who bought a lot of body armor engrams hoping to get the Tarantella only to have a vault full of <laughs> Alpha Lupis. So... But that's, uh, that's Crest of Alpha Lupi. We're going to talk about it again when we talk about Titan armor, so I'm going to save some of the things about Alpha Lupi for that particular discussion. But that's a, a good overview here of, of how the Alpha Wolf is tied into the all different kinds of parts of Destiny. I was getting distracted looking up because you said it was Southern Hemisphere Constellation. I'm like, I wonder if I can see it. So <laughs> You should be able like, to. Yeah, uh, I, was looking, I was looking up where it is and if I can see it. I think I can. I'm going to be looking tonight. Nice. <laughs> See okay, if it so. looks like the Traveler. See if it gives you paracausal powers. I, I will. I'll make sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for body armor. There's only uh, three body armors for hunters currently in Destiny. Uh, and, I mean, realistically, two out of the three of them are Blade Dancer specific. Uh, and the last one is sort of... El Crest of Alpha is, is, again, we talked about this when we talked about Light Beyond Nemesis, utilized more in PvP than PvE because of the, the revive mechanic. Uh, so, Gunslingers out of luck for body armor, exotic body armor, and Night Stalkers out of luck for exotic body armor. Hey guys, uh, it's Gabble Ratchet. Um... So I wanted to to quickly uh, hop on here and record a little something. I, I just got home from Destiny Community Con 2016 in Tampa and just wanted to say a few words. I, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe the weekend. It was it was equal parts ridiculous, uh, incredible, amazing and humbling, maybe most of all. Um, so uh, my flight was delayed coming in. The original plan was that I would be able to, to basically get off my plane, get my ride to the house, hop on and be on just in time to record uh, part one of the Hunter Exotic Armor episodes. And because of a flight delay and then a mix up with, with the, my ride, I got here and hopped into our chat and they were like, yeah, we have two more boots to talk about and then the episode's over. And I was like, cool, I'm going to sleep. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but I, I definitely just wanted to get on here and, and just an, a huge shout out, uh, first and foremost to everyone who was there, who came by, who said, Hey, who shook my hand or gave me a high five or, or for some reason actually wanted me to sign something like you guys, you guys are the best. Um, for everyone who didn't go, um, First of all, you've, the news has gone out pretty much that the next year is looking like it's going to be a two-day event. They're changing the name to Guardian Con. Um, it's going to be even bigger. But what I, what I can actually say about this year's thing was, if you've ever been to a family reunion with 5,000 people, 
that's a pretty good description of what Destiny Con was like. It was it was no joke. You put on a Destiny T-shirt and you just go walking around the area around your hotel or or, or where some restaurants are, and there's basically a hundred percent chance that you're going to bump into somebody else also in a Destiny shirt, and you've instantly got something to talk about because you've instantly got the all of these shared experiences of playing this game with that person, and it it's it's just incredible. It's just you know. I, I got there on a Friday and I was like, what am I going to do? Cause I, I, I got a hotel that was kind of far from the, from the venue, but it was in a part of town that I wanted to check out, uh, over in the Hyde park area where there are a bunch of cool restaurants and bars and, and it's, 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 it was a pretty happening place. Um, but I was able to just get on Twitter and basically just like watch Twitter for like 30 minutes. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, Guardian Radio, they're gonna be they're gonna be over at this wing place. Well, that's like a twenty minute drive. Oh, look, Guardian Outpost, and a bunch of people are meeting him over at this at this bar, like a five minute walk from my hotel. Sweet. So you know, I go walking, just meeting people on the street, and you know, end up making friends. Um, so you know, I can't I can't say enough about how much fun it was and about how ridiculously great the community was. How positive uh, there there was no negativity, no negativity anywhere. Uh, it was just people having fun. I know there might have been a little bit of salt from some people who didn't get in. For anyone who hasn't heard, they pre-sold 3,000 tickets, which is, I, mean, I think it was like 27. It was close to 3,000 that they pre-sold. Uh, they held back 1,000 tickets for the door. Um, doors opened at 10, and at 10, when doors opened... They knew that they had, they had like a thousand people that there just weren't tickets for the the line to buy tickets. The line of people who didn't pre-buy tickets, like Gathalian said to do, only a thousand times before the event, was more than a thousand people long, and they had to turn people away. And I know that there were some upset people about that because who wouldn't be if you traveled a long way and and didn't get in? Uh, although, given everything else that was going on in the city with with other guardians, I'm, I'm sure all those people were able to to meet plenty of content creators and plenty of destiny fans and have lots of good memories of their own so hopefully you know it's a it's, i'm sure a total bummer not to get into the event but it still should have been a great weekend um so yeah it was it was a blast again you know thank you to everyone that came up and said hey it was it was just I sent like the sappiest message to all the other the all the, all the other members of the cast um, Saturday night after I finally got home. I was like, guys, I gotta be sentimental for like five minutes, and then I promise I'll stop. Um, because just this this thing is so much bigger than any of us ever thought that it was gonna be. So um, so yeah, I mean, I met just so many awesome people. You know, uh, uh, Bell from Bell and Mark from Guardian Radio. We had a blast on on Friday. Um, Swain from Crucible Radio, who who we've had on as well, uh, just a super cool dude. Uh, I, I mean, if you've ever gotten that impression, which I'm sure everyone has, uh, it's absolutely accurate. Uh, you know, Blue Crew and and Justin Sane from Focus Fire Chat. You know, we had um, we've had pretty limited interaction ahead of this, but uh, hanging out with those guys, having a couple beers and some laughs. Um, you know, even though we haven't really talked about stuff like being able to make the same uh, or get the same nerdy lore inside jokes just without it having to even worry about having to explain what what they're really about was you know it, it instantly made the whole thing just just feel like i was around 
a group of people that I've somehow have never met but have known for a very long time. And I, I, I can't, I can't talk about this and not give just the hugest shout out on in the world to Cyborg Sasquatch and all of the Derp fam from the Destiny Reset podcast that were at the at at the con that that for those couple days like totally accepted me into their family. I got to go over to their house that they had rented and hang out and drink beers and 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 somebody somehow a guitar appeared and so we got to like pass a guitar around and and uh you know just i got to sit um um, with with hidden and them's tattoos and just chill on a porch drink beers and talk lore for like two hours until like it was like two o'clock in the morning um i guess what would have been sunday morning um you know i went out to dinner with those guys we just we had a blast so uh, you know some super super solid dudes everybody please check out that show destiny reset podcast that was they were they were great um you know met all kinds of 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 great people i couldn't possibly name all of them um but yeah just a just a fantastic time i'm excited to be back i am i am ridiculously excited for uh the future of what we have coming here at, at, at ghost stories the, the episodes we have planned the episodes that we know we can't possibly plan for right now um, this whole thing is just going to keep getting bigger. And if you are on the fence at all thinking about what will be called Guardian Con in 2017, by all means, uh, they've already said tickets are going to go on sale in December. Just buy a ticket and just go. There, There is, you know, absolutely nothing to regret about going. So, um, yeah, totally. Uh, thank you guys again for everything. And I will talk to you all soon. Thanks. Uh, and that takes us to Boots. And luckily, Boots, both Boots for Hunters, are completely subclass agnostic. Uh, anyway, Which is nice. Yes. So not only do we have Boots, but any class can wear them. So stick that in your lore hole, Warlocks. <laughs> it's great, because if I'm wearing it, it uh, means I can just switch subclasses. I don't have to think. Half the other time when I'm like when I'm running my hunter because I wear the the bones of Eerie, which we'll talk about. It's like that's just a jump. I can switch all my subclasses around. It doesn't change what it does at all. It's so good. Whereas I'm playing my like my Titan and I'm like, oh, what? Okay, if I'm gonna be Striker, what do I want to put on? Okay, I put that on and like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be a Sunbreaker. I'm gonna change my helmet and yeah, it's less thinking. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I. I never well let's talk I say well let's talk about the first one so let's talk about radiant dance yeah. machines built for swift movement they provide unexpected and decisive social benefits uh, the the perk in your one was <laughs> the dance you move more quickly while aiming your weapon uh, the perk is the exact same in year two the dance you move more quickly while aiming uh, your weapon why mess with a good thing yeah in year one the perk was more heavy weapon ammo uh, in year two, they can roll any stat combination, but then uniquely, they're the only piece of gear in the game that can do this, they will roll all three elemental double down perks. So that's when you get uh, an elemental double down, you get an agility boost. Uh, the Radiant Dance Machines, the perk tree has all three of these, and you can select between them based on what subclass you're playing. Again, it, and that's arguably a more exotic perk <laughs> than the aiming down sight's movement speed. 
which is an 11% increase approximately. So it's a really cool little bit. Uh, the perk symbol is the Battle Runner shoe over a diamond crosshair. Uh, I didn't put I a get, lot in. I get these so much. These boots. Really? Oh goodness. These are like every exotic boot. No matter which character I'm playing, they're <laughs> radiant dance machines every single time. I only have I, one pair. I have all. used them like. All, like half of my exotic shards were radiant dance machines at one point, <laughs> and, and, and like, the other the other half were uh, dragon's breath. Yeah, like that's the two I get. I get radiant dance machines. I never wear them. <laughs> I don't want to, because I I want my bones of era because I like jumping mm-hmm. a little too much, and it's like every pair of boots I get is radiant dance machines. I've actually used them as infusion fodder on my <laughs> other characters. I get them so much. I never get them. I got one pair at a really high percentage roll, and I just stuck them in my vault. But I, I've never, I've never worn them. Yeah, I think I've got only got one pair now because I went through spring cleaning and deleted about five that were in my vault, Oof. and I have one left. So I had six in my vault and one on <laughs> <of> my character. It's <laughs> <That's> ridiculous. <laughs> it's like when I'm on my Titan, I'm like, I want Titan boots. Give me Titan boots. Nope, Radiant Dance Machines. Yay. Titans have more than one pair of boots? Oh yeah, they do. They're the standicides and the Peregrine Greaves. Yes, which I finally got, so there's that. But I love Peregrine Greaves so much, I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, but it's like Radiant Dance Machines all the time. That being <laughs> said, they look really good with green chroma on the other gear. It makes it look like a, a complete I got a pair of standicides outfit. from a purple Engram on my Hunter today. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. What was, level was it? Oh, it was only no, it was a three uh, three thirty five. Nice. So yeah, they got infused. <laughs> Radiant dance machines also look really good with the ascendant plane shader, mm. which is yeah. neon green and white. You should put that shader with the green chroma with the radiant dance Oof. machines, and you would look really cool. I mean, you're a hunter; you're gonna look cool anyway. But yeah, exactly. Uh, so we talked about what Radiant Dance Machines can do. Let's talk about what they can't do. Uh, Much n- of anything else? None of these things are confirmed because hunters can do whatever they want. Uh, Radiant Dance Machines will not give you a hidden dance emote, uh, which was widely rumored. The ability to disorient other players by dancing. But let's be honest, you're a hunter, you look so good, people are distracted anyway. Uh, and they will not increase your supercharge while you are dancing. But you're going to look damn good doing it. I mean, honestly, if they did those things, I would wear these all the time. I think every hunter would. Like, Uh, if you could just start dancing in the middle of PvP, which I kind of do anyway, then it would disorient everyone. That would be amazing. Yeah, well, one of the things that was, I think, originally believed is... Like a, as a hidden perk, I think people are hoping for, or you know, it's people just spitballing hilarious ideas, was that similar to uh, purifier robes, which blinds everybody as soon as you you activate radiance, yeah. is that if you were wearing dance machines, the second you started dancing, anybody looking down their scopes at you would immediately be blinded by your flash <laughs> of awesomeness. That would be so good because you just see like. 
someone snipe like aiming to snipe you from across the map on a game and you're like dance time <laughs> it would well also think about think about something like trials right where somebody's hard scoping an orb you could have one person slide in and immediately start dancing to blind the hard scoper and the other person runs in and gets to revive would be so amazing and if like if like when you did your default dance while you were wearing them it did like some epic like break dancing or something that would be the coolest thing i would wear these all the time i want to see it cause people in a certain proximity to start dancing themselves they just can't shoot or anything they have to go through an emote completely before oh that would be incredible yeah, that so would like, be you like... just get swarmed, you do do something, and all of a sudden everyone starts. I'd love to see that affect PVE as, or yeah, PVE as well. Like if you're getting swarmed by by dregs, you do that, and they all start dancing. <laughs> you would be so cool if it was like in the like stills. a smoke bomb sort of thing. Like you were suppressed mm-hmm. while you were in it, and you had to sort of walk out of this area, <laughs> dance slow your way out of this area, out of so dance. you could shoot <laughs> again. <laughs> Like, like it's like you were suppressed, but you were just dancing and you couldn't do anything. You're like, move out of the dance area. That would be so funny in PvP because defender titans who live in their bubbles, you could run, slide into the bubble and immediately start dancing and would force the titan inside to also dance so they could not kill you inside their bubble. <laughs> and then no one could do anything from afar because you'd be in their bubble. No, yeah. So How about like you just make your own fun. dance bubble with like strobe lights in it and stuff and Di- flashy colors. Disco ball comes down from the sky. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> the fog starts flowing like across the floor and the flashing lights. <laughs> I mean, you're these a hunter, so all these things happen anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what my room looks like when I'm playing my hunter. I just turn on the part, push the party button and... Oh man, these these would have been so good, and like the montages and videos that would happen from that. The would montages be would be amazing. Amazing. Also, the, I think the people who would get the most use out of this would probably be the guys from Husky Raid. Uh, they that something strange happened at the Gate Lord dudes, where they're just turned into a gigantic dance party. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to imagine like making all the the PVE enemies. <laughs> dance as well well it'd be awesome if so i would i would do that i would run down into the stills i would stand on top of one of those lights and i'd do the thriller dance and i would make all those thrall thriller dance with me thrall doing the backup dancing yeah and they they just like follow you through the entire stills you just lead a train of dancing thralls Okay, Bungie, are you listening? Move on, I'm thinking happen. of a conga line of thralls now. <laughs> <laughs> this is too funny. <laughs> conga line. You're like the the who is it? The Peter Piper. Yeah, the Pie Piper. <laughs> or the the Pie Piper. Pie Piper. Yep. Done. Sold. I would so wear these. I would have kept all like 20 pairs that I would had. Now, I, I want to make a video of us doing this in a private match, just to mm-hmm. make it happen. <clears throat> yeah, you could have Radiant Dance Machine fake parties in private matches now. The Radiant, yeah, it'd be the Radiant Dance Party. That could be really fun. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> now that we've talked about all the things that they can't do, and the things that they can do, uh, 
They've always been, so Radiant Destinies have always been situationally useful, skewing more towards PvP than PvE, but saw a rise in popularity after the Rift Crucible mode was introduced. Max Agility Blade Dancers with Radiant Dance Machines, Mita Multi-Tool, and Fleet-Footed are obscenely fast. Uh, and even pre-nerf Shade Step plus Keen Scout Night Stalkers were very difficult to pin down when wearing Radiant Dance Machines. So, I've... I've actually done this build in Rift and I had to stop because you run so fast as the Rift carrier that your team cannot protect you. <laughs> uh, there have been times where I'd play Rift with my fire team. I would slide in, I would grab the Rift and I would take off and both of my Titans would be like, we can't protect you because we can't catch you. It's slow down. I've been told that too, and my answer is I can't slow down. But <laughs> you stick, what you can't catch. You stick blink in there too. You're. It's an amazing build for for rift, but it's very situational for rift. I started using bones when I was running the spark. Really? Yeah, because if you're tripled and you have con- uh, the control on. Mm-hmm. You can like triple jump around corners and they never know where you're at. You just, oh man, you zoom past everybody in the air and they had no clue what just happened. I like blink because the dunk animation will clip your blink. So if you blink into the rift uh, to slam the spark, uh, you're invincible sort of during your blink frames and then you're immediately dunking. You're very hard to kill. Does it do anything different when you... Nope, it just it cancels... back When you do a backflip. Well, I've never tried because it's very difficult to blink backwards. Oh, uh, I guess it'd be cool. Especially though. when you're, you're moving, you're running so fast uh, and you're using the speed, your run speed plus blink to just go straight through people. Yeah. Uh, and then clip it into the rift. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be fast because odds are your team cannot catch you to protect you. So you better make sure you get that dunk. How much speed increase does a second wind give you? Because I've never actually run Radiant Dance Machines with Mitre and Fleetfoot for like a, a PvP game, but I've I've got second wind on my boots, and that's lots of fun. Second wind's pretty good. I wear second wind boots in Mayhem. Because uh, you're respawning so quickly, you have that perk yeah. active a lot. Yeah, I like it in Mayhem. I wonder if it's, is it faster or slower than Radiant Dance Machines? I have to find that out. Well, Radiant Dance Machines increases, they don't, you're not penalized for looking down sights. It doesn't increase your over, your regular movement speed. Oh, that's right. Of course, yeah. So, But if you're running the spark, uh, you need to be able to be quick with yeah. both shooting and running. So. True. Uh, it gives you sort of like a slightly, and it stacks with Mita, so you get like crazy strafe speed and things like that. Uh, but speaking of Bones of Ao, let's talk about Bones of Ao. Let's talk about what they are and what they were. They're awesome is what they are. They are probably the most game-breaking exotic that we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh. Bones of Ao defy extinction. Exotic perk in year one, not bound by law. Upgrades double jump with an additional jump. Same thing in year two. Uh, 
Uh, in year one, they had heavy weapon ammo, like most boots did, or most exotic boots did. Uh, in year two, they can roll any stat and any perk combination available to boots. So they are they are wide open. You can, if you've got enough glass needles, you can make bones of AO exactly what you want and need. Uh, the perk simple is the little double jump arrow. <clears throat> And then, so let's talk about AO real quick. I've got a bunch of notes here. Uh, there's a lot of speculation right now over who or what AO is or was. Uh, there's two prevalent theories. One is that AO was an Ahamkara, and these are AO's bones, like his actual literal bones, uh, with support for that coming from AO being similar to the name of the Great Worms, uh, Ear, Yule, things of that nature. AO fits in there with those. <clears throat> not saying that Ao was a great worm, uh, but we know there's a connection between the Ahamkara and the worms. We'll get to that. Uh, another theory posits that Ao was actually a guardian who hunted the Ahamkara and then created exotics out of uh, the things that he or she found. So one is that these are the literal bones of Ao, and one is that these are the boots created by Ao from Ahamkara bones. Uh, you have a good note here, though. Yeah, the um, Titan has an artifact, I believe. It's a, it's a purple, yep. perhaps, or a blue. Um, uh, scales of Ao, uh, which the flavor text is, all caps. Uh, we stand upon our own unend unending deaths. Um, and I just kind of noted that scales of Ao, it looks nothing at all like the blue Ahamkara scale hunter artifact. It's kind of this weird lumpy thing, but it's the same. It almost name. has like a weird little doll thing. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't really tell what it is just by looking at it. Um, but yeah. And that we stand upon our own unending deaths seems very hivey to me. Uh, they yeah. are, you know, the the books of sorrow really outline them as the <clears throat> masters of death and death. Uh, is a temporary thing for Ascendant Hive. So standing upon their own unending deaths is something that makes sense for an Ascendant Hive to say. Very much, yeah. Uh, and that, But that just deepens this mystery between the Ahamkara and the Hive, which is yet to be unraveled uh, sort of in any sort of confirmed status. There's a lot of links there, a lot of connections. We've talked about them in the past. Uh, but there's nothing that hard confirms exactly what the relationship is between uh, the worms, the hive, and the Ahamkara. Uh, the flavor text, Defy Extinction, is another reference to the Ahamkara. This is directly from Ghost Fragment Legends 3, uh, which quite clearly opens with, After great deliberation, it was determined that the Ahamkara be made extinct. Uh, and that card goes on to describe the great Ahamkara hunt, uh, which is a, a key thing in the history of sort of the rise of the Guardians and the, the city age and things of that nature. The great Ahamkara hunt is also listed on the uh, Grimoire card for city age, and it mentions that the hunt took place during what is considered the city age. But of course uh, that card ends... <laughs> Yes. And uh, thus the Ahamkara were made extinct. Their call silenced, uh, their solipsistic flatteries erased, their great design, if it 
if it ever existed, broken. Of this you can be assured, O reader mine. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they probably just made us think that we... I don't know. It's all grand design by the Ahamkara, but we'll... I'm looking forward to that, how that's all going to be spun out. That's a... I was having a conversation in our Slack chat earlier about how we need to always remember that guardians make their own fate is an underlying principle to everything in the game. Uh, that for all the hive gods and broken wills and messed up timelines and all this crazy stuff that we have faced, it's always important to remember that guardians make their own fate. That the human will combined with the paracausal light gives us the ability to, to, you know, to define our own realities. But the Ahamkara also very much seem to have this power. <laughs> uh, so, butting heads with them, however we do it in the future, is going to be a very interesting uh, tale to tell. So the notes here, quite possibly one of the most game-breaking items in all of Destiny. The bones have been responsible for a massive amount of glitches, mechanic breaking, geometry hacking, and cheesing. Most notoriously, the Oversoul Bridge in the Crota's End Raid. Uh, it's worth noting, these boots came with the Dark Below, and I don't know if Bungie understood the can of worms they were opening when they gave them to us. <laughs> but... Given that they relate to the Ahamkara, maybe that was all by design as well. But these things are awesome. <laughs> I have used Bones of Eu to jump all over maps that I should not be in. Uh, they were key. Right when the Taken King first launched, I broke, in, broke into the Echo Chamber on the Xbox. Uh, that wouldn't have been possible without Bones of Eu because you have to make some really impossible jumps where you can't even see the geometry. Uh, and then, this is something I might as well mention this here, Hunter Jump has a unique property where it can break geometry because of the force of the jump. So sometimes you can basically brute force your way through areas that you're not supposed to get into. Uh, a good example of this also is you can get outside the geometry in the Cosmodrome and then you can break into... Uh, the House of Devil's Lair, where you normally can't get to, but because the Hunter Jump has so much force underneath it, you can basically, again, like brute force your way through the geometry, and Bones of Ao helps with this ex exceptionally well, because it gives you that extra jump to really punch through, uh, so you can explore all kinds of crazy places. Uh, the additional jump from Bones do not adopt the trait of the Hunter's Jump. Um, they just provide one more base jump. Uh, and that's sort of the mechanical aspects of the Bones of Ao, and also a little bit of the their connection to the Ahamkara. As to their design, uh, the flourish below the right knee is the exact same model as the Warlock Raid Bond Bone Circlet. Uh, the flavor text on that art, that particular bond is a memento of the world Crota ruled. <clears throat> uh, and completely unrelated, it's a misleading name because circlets are traditionally worn on the head, warlocks wear them on their arms, and hunters wear them just below the knee. <laughs> 
yeah, but it is the it is the bone circlet. The left knee plate uh, looks very similar to a skull of Dire Ahamkara, which we talked about in the Warlock episodes. And the left thigh flourish is very similar to the young Ahamkara's spine, which we have not talked about yet, which is another hunter exotic. So it very much seems that bones were assembled from a bunch of different pieces of different Ahamkara. They were originally listed in the database as the unremarkable bones with completely different flavor text. Uh, so when they were unremarkable bones, the flavor text read, Surely the warlocks cling to these fossils for a reason. What could it be, O bearer mine? Uh, which is a fun bit of flavor text. It's sort of like teasing, teasing the hunters into wearing something that traditionally is only for the warlocks. <laughs> So maybe Ao just broke into like a warlock vault, stole a bunch of pieces, and just slapped them on. These would make great pants. Then oh. <clears throat> the original. I, don't. I think they're gorgeous looking. They're probably one of the best looking exotics in the game. Have you taken the shader off? Have, that's a good question. I only wear dead orbit shaders, so everything looks good. The the fabric of the pants is like bright orange camo. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> I'm like running around <laughs> in my iron banner gear for fun. I took the shader off because it's all pretty. And then I'm like, I'm going to switch back to my normal gear. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Orange pants. Change back. Oh, I had. Orange. They've always been black for me because I always <laughs> wear DO shaders. Whoops. <laughs> Take the shader off and understand. <laughs> oh, man. They didn't call them beautiful. Wow. I don't... I only really wear them when I'm exploring. Uh, I do wear them in King's Fall uh, when you're going through uh, the uh, the swinging crypts, the hanging crypts with bones. You can completely skip every other one. You can go from one to three to the platform. You don't have to do two and four. Yeah. Uh, and then in the transept because I sword hack the wall bones give me that extra boost that I need to get where I need to and then in the end you can skip the whole second part of the puzzle by sword jumping uh, like we mentioned in Crota's End you can completely clear the the bridge span, you can do it with every class but bones makes it incredibly easy for hunters to do uh, what are some other good good breaks getting places you're not supposed to with bones at AO Extra, you mentioned jumping around corners with increased control. Yeah, yeah, it makes uh, makes it fun. I've seen a great video of somebody jumping, somebody baiting a blade dancer by jumping off the map with bones <sighs> on, and the blade dancer's swing auto tracks to them but doesn't quite make it, and then the blade dancer goes straight down. Nice. <laughs> and the guy with bones makes it back to the, the stage He's got the extra jump. Yeah, I wear these all the time. Like, this is my main boots on my Hunter. And, like, the number of times I have been saved by that last jump. That I've just jumped off an edge or, like, fallen or I've hit it too soon. Especially when I'm jumping somewhere and you're going off an edge. And I hit it too late, so the first jump counts as, like, the boost. Yep. You know, that sort of thing. Like, you slide off the edge and you hit yeah. it. 
and that jump saves me so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in Vault of Glass, right before the uh, Atheon's throne room, that jumping puzzle there. Oh, yeah. You can make it. Yeah, even I can get you... oh, yeah. pretty much straight down. Yep. You, you jump on one platform, and then you're like, okay, bye, bye guys. <laughs> I'm going down. There's the door. When you take them off, do you find yourself missing the jump? Just I don't not... take them off. Oh. Okay. No, I do take them. I take them <laughs> off for, I take them off for PvP, uh, which I kind of get used to. But I'm I'm trying to be more careful about not jumping so much as I do, uh, because I run a triple jump as the perk, so I get four jumps with Bones of Air. Yep. And I spend more time in the air on the ground, uh, and I'm pretty terrible at it. If you ask anyone that I run with, they're just like, yeah, she just jumps around everywhere. If you ask my, uh, <laughs> you ask my, my boyfriend and mention a, a, uh, having a modifier grounded, you'll get an oh, exasperated geez. sigh. <laughs> but you make up for it when it's airborne. We're doing like, like Prison of Elders or something, and you get the whole, it's grounded, don't jump, take your bones <laughs> off. No. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> like, uh, just hear the... <sighs> on the other end. <laughs> I will wear the bones forever. Yeah, I I love bones. They're so good. I'd run triple jump too, so I get the quad jump, and it's so helpful when you're exploring places. Which was not Bone? fun when I switched back to Blade Dancer to level that up. Because you figured um, you don't have the quad jump. <laughs> Because I don't have the quad jump, exactly. I actually had Blink on, which I'm like, I may as well not wear the bones. Yep. But then I switched to as a double jump, which means I only get I only get two boosts, the triple jump. Yep. And it's like, oh, how did I live like this for so long? <laughs> Although, to, for Blade Dancer's credit, they do get a bit of extra height on that double jump, uh, more so than the Gunslinger and Night Stalker do. Yeah, yeah. And I think I have control on it, which is like, I'm used to not having control like to be able to move in the air that easily <laughs> just I'm like, flying Whoa, around my momentum just stops <laughs> this is so much fun <laughs> when i switch to blade dancer from night stalker i i make some really sketchy jumps and forget that i don't have that last jump to save me yeah yeah and i wear i wear either tarantella or sometimes mask of the third man when i'm running blade dancer i don't usually don't wear bones i'm still wearing bones bones all the time because <laughs> if i because it's like okay so I, I can mentally go from having four jumps to three but i can't go from four to two that just can't happen <laughs> i'm not okay with that <laughs> grounded is the bane of my life <laughs> i agree i'm no fan of that myself <clears throat> all right so that's the two pair of exotic boots that are in the game then we got one pair of exotic boots that are not in the game. Uh, this is our. This is weird. These are an interesting exotic. There's not a lot written about them. There's not a lot that was ever discovered about them. They weren't ever heavily featured in any marketing materials. It's not like we ever got a really good look at them versus something like Astrocyte Verse which was in a lot of marketing materials we got a really good look at. But these are the Frost EE5, or as I think, what did you say they were, sure earlier? Frosties. The Frosties. 
Uh, the quote is, hey, if it works for computers, uh, and is attributed to Marcus Wren. Uh, Marcus Wren being an SRL racer. The famous SRL racer. The famous SRL racer. He's a legend. He is. Who is he again? <laughs> uh, if you got SRL class S rank, which I did, uh, the flavor text when you get that is, there are legends in the SRL. Marcus Wren, Kron 8, Tyla Sola. Racers who are so skilled and so fearless that they stand apart from the pack. You've now made your mark on the track, Guardian. That's Amanda Holiday. And on a bunch of the SRL gear, there's a bunch of quotes by Marcus Wren. Uh, this is an example of one of those characters who didn't exist in year one and then is suddenly introduced and is famous, yet they weren't around in year one. So how famous could they really be? Uh, as for the flavor text, hey, if it works for computers, man, I tell you, I tried hard to find some that, that links this back to the name of this exotic, and I could not find a thing. Uh, the only time I've ever heard this phrase is as a joke uh, when it concerning life support. And that joke is, if I'm ever on life support, try unplugging it for 30 seconds and plugging it back in because, hey, it works for computers. Uh, <laughs> kind of a grim joke. Though, when applied to a guardian, it is kind of funny. Uh, you know, just leave me dead for 30 seconds and then turn me back on. <laughs> Or revive me. Works for computers. Maybe it works for guardians. I'm just so. hearing in my head. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. So. <laughs> OIT. <laughs> well, so then tie that to SRL, right? So if you're an SRL, so you undoubtedly at times found yourself with a sparrow that's on fire. Uh, and that's very dangerous. So maybe sometimes it's just better to <laughs> kill yourself and get a new sparrow. <laughs> uh works for computers but I don't know the exotic perk uh, in year 2 would have been rapid cooldown which is a tighter turn radius while sprinting increased grenade and melee regeneration while sprinting uh, frost could have rolled any stat and any perk combination available to boots uh, rapid cooldown is not an uncommon term in a lot of different video games, MMOs, things of that nature. It's also used in cryonics when they're prepping a body for deep freeze. Uh, lowering the temperature of the individual is called rapid cooldown. So, I mean, I looked for anything related to the... I mean, if I, I built my own computer, so I understand like building a cooling system, but like rapid cooldown isn't a term that's ever really related to computers. Uh... So, in that case, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm willing to write Marcus Renoff as a crazy person, to be totally honest with you. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't, who knows what he's talking about. He, as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't even really exist. But hey. Uh, what am I? Oh, this is... These were... And the look of these boots again we never got them in game uh and the icon for them was just a pair of white boots with knee pads uh, if you the model was briefly available and they look very similar to 
uh, in my mind, to the Impossible Machines. They sort of have all these tanks and cylinders on the belt, and there's a bunch of cables that run the sides. I mean, this is like the cooldown, right? This is uh, these cables or coils or whatever they are pump. Well, I can only guess is cooling materials into your legs, <laughs> which is hilarious, but sure. Uh, I don't have the perk symbol here. Uh, I don't. I didn't look it up, so I'm sure I could find it, but it's probably just a pair of boots. <clears throat> but anyway. So yeah, and then I went looking for what frost or EE five could possibly mean. Uh, frost with an O is actually a thing. It's a fractal flame editing suite. Uh, it's built on top of flame and supports alternate renders such as Flame 4 for GPU running, GUI, and Python scripting. Uh, and when I say fractal flame editing suite, that's literally what it is. It is a piece of software that creates fractal images. <laughs> uh, and it's called Frost or Fractal Frost. Uh, Frost is also a compound geometry object used in 3D Studio Max to generate meshes from particles, vertex clouds, object positions, point data files, or a combination thereof uh, using isoservice and geometry cloning techniques. I'm willing to bet that there is many people inside of Bungie who use 3D Studio Max. It is an industry standard piece of software. So whether or not this is a reference to 3D Studio Max, uh, the Frost uh, engine or Frost, wait, is it Frost engine? What does Battlefield run on? Is that the Frost engine? Frostbite. Frostbite. Yeah, I think so. I can. I just pictured, you know, when you said that, you know, Bungie probably uses that, like, down to the wire, and and some some poor guys like, oh man, I gotta get this done. I gotta finish this text. Oh man, what should I write? And he like puts his head down in his hands and he opens his eyes and sees that name. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> there it is. And that's why it got. That's why it didn't make it into the into the game because somebody recognized it. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know where you got this. <laughs> uh, and then EE5, <laughs> EE5.net is a cloud hosting company. There you go. Uh, EE5 is also Equivalent Exchange 5, which is a Minecraft mod. Uh, it allows you to transmute materials into other materials. Uh, I guess I, my guess would be on PC. I don't know if the Xbox version of Minecraft supports mods. But. No, I don't think so. So... Uh, there could be something super obvious here that we're missing. If there is, it wasn't obvious to me. If you're listening to this podcast and you have any idea what the Frost EE5 is a reference to, hit us up. Uh, let us know. If you're Marcus Wren, you're not famous, but reach out anyway. I'm, I challenge you 1v1 me, bro, in SRL. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think when SRL comes back, there'll be the option for private matches? Ooh, oh, now that would be interesting. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, SRL is technically crucible. We used they need to do a that. setting, though, that allows you to get off of your sparrow without dying. So, like, if you get really far ahead, you can jump off and, like, pull out your rocket launcher and shoot people that are coming at you. Or you can jump off with your radiant dance machines and start dancing in the middle of the track, <laughs> which forces all the people off their sparrows and to also dance with you. I want to be able to glitch onto my sparrow and run a whole race while dancing on my sparrow. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that'll be really cool. I love that that Sparrow glitch has been made official. 
because in the Rise of Iron video, they showed a warlock doing the Praise the Sun emote while, while riding yes. on the Galar wing. So. Yeah, that is very cool. <laughs> I hope it is official anyway. Oh, there's an exotic sparrow too, the Dawn Chaser. Maybe we'll cover that in one of the later episodes. Is that even a thing? I didn't think it was a thing in the game, is it? It's not in the game. Yeah. The, mo the model exists for it and the descriptions and things like It's sort of like the, the Frosty E5 here where it's a thing in the game. We've talked about the exotic ship before, but not the exotic sparrow. We'll have to talk about the sparrow then. Oh man, that'd be awesome. It was a prize for SRL. <clears throat> okay, how are we... How are we doing on time here? Oh, we're good. We're, we're good. Through this. All right. So that's uh. Well, the next one's gonna be long. We got, we got some good ones. Helmets and gloves. There's my personal favorite exotic in all of Destiny's in the hunter helmets episode. So let's talk about exotic cloaks. We talked about the bonds in the warlock episode, and we got three cloaks. We got f technically four: three faction cloaks and one uh, special edition cloak. Same as there were with bonds. Uh, they are very similar. The perks are all the exact same as the bonds, and the spawn in effect is the exact same. Uh, we'll cover them very quickly. Uh, the future war cloak is the chaos cloak. The flavor text is, there is no doubt that our future will be won in battle, as opposed to a lottery. A Cracker Jack box. A coupon. Oh, yeah. There you go. Banshee's going to cut the coupon out and give it to us, and the future will be won. The Winner. You won the future. You won one double coupon for the future, please. Congratulations. You've won. <laughs> the perk is Gladiator. Uh, same as the Bond, I believe, and increases future War Cult rep. Adds the future War Cult effect on Spawn, which is not a giant FWC appearing, which would be really funny if it was. Uh, the it fireworks. Is, just a, <laughs> future War Cult appears. <laughs> it would be awesome to talk the words like future war cult appeared, and then you like smash through them from behind. Uh, that's not what happens. It just makes a little rainbow you spawn in with. <laughs> uh, the Dead Orbit one is the Cloak of Oblivion. Our salvation lies ahead of us. Go forth. There is nothing left to leave behind. The Perk, which I mentioned last time, my favorite name, Pathfinder. Uh, same thing. Increases Dead Orbit rep. As the Dead Orbit effect on spawn, my favorite spawn in effect, uh, like the assemblance from Cosmic Dust. I love it. Uh, although I do sort of wish it was like the, what's the, uh, festival of the lost item that makes you appear in a swarm oh, the, of bats. Ah, uh, what is that called? I have one. I do too. <sighs> Quick to dim. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I love yeah. that spawn in effect. Uh, I sort of wish the dead orbit one was similar to that, but I do. I love the noise the dead orbit one makes. It's like a really cool grainy shushing noise yeah i haven't got that yet i'm working on it and you just got one right x-ray i did sorry i want to do like a coughing fit oh geez you and did. so i muted my mic to spare your ears yeah i did i got my cloak of oblivion today i had to do a couple more strikes heroic strikes to uh 
to finish it off. And so, yep, immediately infused it to 335 and and probably going to leave it on forever. I, lo- I love the way it looks. Oh, it's such a good-looking cloak. Flight of Shadows. Flight of Shadows. Nice. Although it would be funny if you sort of zoned in with Cloak of Oblivion and it was a bunch of, like, laughing skulls. I'd take that, too. Or maybe you just didn't appear. You just appeared somewhere else because you don't care about being where you are. I like the flavor text on Flight of Shadows. What's the flavor text on Flight of Shadows? Are you the dream of a sleeping god or the nightmare of a dead one? Oh, yeah, we mentioned that when we talked about Pathways Out of Darkness. That's right. It's a cool one. Yeah. Fits with the Halloween theme anyway. Nightmares and whatnot. (laughs) Then we have Cloak of the Rising. Uh, The new monarchy is the Aegis that guards humanity. And their perk title is called Vanquisher. And with them you appear in a, a bright red spark. This is what my brother wears on his hunter. He loves... He, it's so funny. My Again, my brother, who is a... He's tightened to the core. Alto runs a hunter because he understands that sometimes you need some extra utility. He was talking about how he could not find a cloak that he liked. He thinks they're all hideously ugly. Except for Cloak of Oblivion <laughs> and Cloak of the Rising. So he switches back and forth depending on what shader he's wearing. Really? I stick with Cloak of Oblivion 100% of the time, uh, except for that one time I was wearing it and I switched to New Monarchy to cap off some rank and then I couldn't wear the cloak even though it was still equipped and I just had no cloak on at all. That's kind of cool. But, but there's for me, there's never a reason to take this thing off. All my builds work around. I, I glass-needled my Cloak of Oblivion up to like a 99% roll. And then all my gear builds are based around supporting that. I love it. I love it. It's one of my the best looking. The only thing I don't like about Cloak of Oblivion is that we've discussed it. The length of a hunter's cloak is a determination of their experience as a hunter. Uh, Originally, that's why the Shattered Vault cloak is the longest cloak in the game. uh, Because conquering the Vault of Glass made you sort of like the most experienced hunter. Since then, some other long cloaks have appeared. Uh, I think even Anna Bray's cloak, the uh, the wolf pack one, the strength of the pack is pretty long. Uh, and then the mantle of Galeon, which was the year one Iron Banner cloak, was pretty long. I wish the cloak of Oblivion was longer <laughs> uh, to better represent the experience of the hunter who wears it, but I'll take the, I'll take the super good looks. I love the black feathers that stick out of it. That does make sense why you start with a scarf then. Yes. Which I realized actually does have a cloak on it. The, the little back, tiny, the little back piece of the, in the cape. Back. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I put a shader on it. I'm like, there's a little white bit on the back. <laughs> it's it's so, more like it's more like the uh, the little scarves they put on dogs. Yes. Like their collars. <laughs> a little bandana. A little, yeah, a little, a little bandana. A little tiny, little tiny triangle point sticking out of the back. Yeah. That's so cute. Well, that, now I want I'm, a bandana. I'm happy hearing about that length of experience thing. Something I pretty much always wear floor-length cloaks. Yes. I wear I wore the the blue one for when I was like starting, which is the the Frimius cloak, Frabdus, whatever it is. 
Frabjus. Frabjus is in the uh, description. Yes. Um, and then I wear the cloak of the six rain for a long time, which is the reef one. Yep. It's pretty and it shines all gold. <laughs> and I wore that with Queen's Web shader because it's pretty and it makes me shiny, which Glowhu does not on a hunter. Aww. Because it's just the alignment of armor bits to clothing bits, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. It's kind of this ugly teal. Like, eh, whatever. Queen's Web, and then now, I, now I'm now i all the... Actually, the uh, Iron Banner one. Yeah, that's a long one. And uh, now I wear the Spectre click, which is decently long. Nice. Yeah, yeah the Mantle of Galeon, uh, the year one Iron Banner cloak, is a really awesome cloak. It's got the Iron Tree. There's the white, the black on white Iron Tree in the back yeah, of it. Yeah, that's a cool one. And then the Shattered Vault Cloak is a really awesome cloak, too. It's a shame, too, because there's the... Uh, I love that mantle of Galeon, but also I love... I'll talk about the Titans. The Yolder, I guess Yolder. Yolder's Iron Sash is, like, one of the longest marks for Titans in the game, and it is such a cool-looking mark. Uh, they never brought it forward, which is a shame. I'm looking at my vault right now, and I have... I have kept the class items for the factions that they've they've always offered. So I love having the exotics on top of them. So like I have the cloak of oblivion, but then I also have the I have a Spectar Heliopause cloak. I have the Heliopause cloak. And then going even further back, I have like the Cloak of the Exodus, I have the Dead Light Cloak, all the original versions of them going all the way back to year one. Oh wow. I have uh, one of every cloak. I've you have one of every cloak yes, in the game? because when I... Well, I don't know if it's every cloak in the game, but every cloak I've ever gotten. If I have a duplicate, I'll throw it out, but I've kept one of each. Whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> I think, anyway, for the most part. Because when I, when I started and I kept the scarf for a really long time, or I had the little, like... You know those really early on, you get those sort of weird, like, shoulder triangle sort of cloaks. Yeah. And I didn't like them. I really wanted a long cloak. And so I started keeping every cloak I got because I thought they were really rare <laughs> when I started playing. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm getting cloaks all the time. Because I only played, in year one, I only played maybe like once every two weeks or something. Yeah. Which is why I didn't really progress because it wasn't my Xbox I was playing on. And it was like, <laughs> I kept one of every cloak and I still have them, I think. I don't even know. Oh, wait, I don't want to even have a look how many cloaks I have in my vault. Oh, I've got tons. I've got all my favorite ones because I'm always afraid I'll never be able to get them ever again. Uh, oh, yeah. But, like, I have an All My Victims cloak because I love the flavor text on it, yeah. which is made from the torn cloaks of other hunters, other lesser hunters. Yes, uh, I think I have that. I have is a that? Dustwalker cloak because I love the little skull symbol on the back. I have the Red Eclipse cloak which I used to wear when leading my fire team because it reminds me of the forward, like a forward scouts uniform. Uh, Shroud of flies from the vault of Glo not vault of, from uh, Crota's end because I think it looks it's one of the most unique cloaks in the game. The Shroud of flies and I really wish they would bring it forward because it's such a cool looking piece of armor. Uh, Hood of the spawn is also really cool because it's so makeshifty looking, and then shattered vault cloak. I got a bunch of them in here. I still have my makeshift scarf. Yeah, I still have mine. It's really I like wearing it to test out shaders. If I want to see how good a shader looks, 
Because uh, it takes oh. the shader on the scarf part, oh, not nice. the little hanging thing at the back. But it lets you lets you look at your whole character, which is like one thing I noticed when I was doing SRL. Because that's another one. If you've got the SRL cloak, which is just a a shoulder-mounted yes. thing, it's so good. Racer scarf, that's the one. Yep. Um, it's so good to see your whole character's like your whole character's body because you don't normally from behind in the tower. Yes. Like, I'm gonna check out my hunter's butt. Can't do that normally. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I made a lot of people regret having gotten rid of their scarf, and a lot of people restart hunters so they could get it back. Because <clears throat> I'd get messages after games and stuff asking me what I was wearing on my hunter. I actually got accused of being a Titan a couple times. Oh, because you weren't wearing the cloak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't even have a hood. They're like, yeah. Yeah, it's got the little birdies on it, the little uh, cormorant thing, whatever it is. The makeshift the scarf. Oh, yeah, the cor little cormorant seal. It's kind of cute. That's a recurring thing. Yeah, I've got, like, uh, four white cloaks. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine green ones. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen blue ones. Yeah. Basically, any cloak I got, I kept. I don't have a lot of the cool year one ones though. Oh. Which one were you gonna ask? Do you have the three job, the gunslingers, blade dancers, and night stalkers cloaks? I have the blade dancer and the night stalker legendaries. I do not have the gunslinger because I haven't really leveled my gunslinger very much. Aw, that was the first one I got. I logged in day one and went and picked it up. I was like, oh my god, this cloak is amazing, and then I, I promptly got rid of it. I mean, I still have it, but. Do you, uh, do you just get that from doing the quest? Yes. All right, I should get on that the, then. Yeah. <laughs> that could be part of my pre-Rise of Iron completion stuff. Also, we just spent 20 no. minutes talking about cloaks. Can you tell we're all hunters? <laughs> 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 yeah, the uh, Frumius cloak is really long, which is funny considering it's a blue. Well, we, we know the story with blues. Hmm. I like I like the description on that one. That's the tell the warlocks your cloak is frab just they respect words they don't understand. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so hunter. <laughs> oh, I have a year one Cloudwalker tribute in my vault too. Uh we didn't we never talked about the Cloudwalkers, but I'm sure when we do another a hunter follow up episode we will. Or maybe we mentioned them in the hunter episode. Anyway, speaking of that Night Stalker's cloak, there's an exotic version of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the exotic Night Stalker's cloak reads Live and Die by the Draw of a Bow. Night Stalker subclass upgrades 25% faster and your level increases 10% faster. We discussed this when we discussed the exotic one. Uh, originally, they were not infusible and they were not re-rollable with glass needles, but that was changed. So if you want to rock your exotic Night Stalker's cloak, you certainly can. Yeah, I just realized that was infusible today um, <laughs> when I was cleaning up my vault after I got my Oblivion cloak. And uh, I didn't even know, honestly, that they unlocked because weren't those like a pre-order special? Yes. Yeah. And I kept... I, I, or you know, a legendary, it up in my, legendary edition, I think. Right. I mean, it showed up in everyone's mailbox and you could see it and they're like, yeah, you want it? Oh, wait, you didn't do this. <laughs> Too bad. But yeah, so I was pretty excited to see that. And that 
that does it for our part one of Hunter Exotics. Again, uh, and I tell this to people all the time, these exotic cloaks or exotic bonds or exotic marks, they're worth getting. Uh, because a lot of times, if you're looking to make a perfect build, especially a tier 12 build, if you're if you're that meticulous about how you run your characters, these are the only class items in the game that you really get a chance at re-rolling. You can glass needle them until they are exactly what you want for your build, and no other class item in the game offers that kind of flexibility. So, so pick a pick a faction and get it to 25 and get their cloak, or get all t- three to 25 and get their cloaks if you want to be extra frabjous. Uh, but then, yeah, save up some armor parts and just glass needle them until you get the exact roll that you want. I think, like I said, I rolled my, my hunter cloak to 99% to support all three of my subclasses and the builds that I like to play with. Worth it. And all the exotics we talked about, I think this is like an overlooked aspect of exotics a lot of the time. The ability to re-roll an exotic also gives you the opportunity to completely re-roll the stats, which can go up or down. So again, if you're looking for a high-tier build and you roll a helmet that's only got, whatever, 30 strength on it and you want the best possible roll for that, Man, just glass needle it. Glass needle it until you get every exotic exactly how you like it. And it can really do wonders for for your builds. Don't wait for Zer to sell one that looks good. Uh, don't decrypt 40 of them hoping to get a good roll. Just find one and, and make it the best thing you can. It is so the unique properties of exotics. I just got a message on Xbox from this guy named Oompa Loompa Army. <laughs> He is Legion. And he's playing Halo 5 Guardians, or he's in the menus. And the message says, Hunters are too squishy. That's it. Compared to what? I don't know. I have no idea. Compared to Master Chief? Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Hunters um, are too I don't squishy. Even, are, you I don't on even your, are you on your Hunter right now? Yeah. Does he mean Hunters in Halo? I don't know. I'm not playing. I mean, Halo. they're squishy underneath all the armor. I don't even see him. I mean, oh, there everybody's is. squishy under their armor. Yeah, but hunters, especially. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're all like worms and stuff under the armor. It's My like dash. Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompas are squishy, so That's true. I don't know what he's talking about. My dash. And a whole army of them? What? My dashboard just updated with X ray 441, made a clip. Did I? I don't know. It said you did. What were you doing Just, while we were it was recording like the show? Two hours ago. It says fourteen minutes ago. Check his DVR. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I can watch it right on my dash. Are you playing Crucible while we're recording? No. It's a Rift game. Yeah, I played that earlier. <laughs> earlier. Oh, like you're, you're running fifteen an, minutes ago. You're running an Invis shotgun build, and you ran into somebody's blind bubble. What was that? Oh yeah, I stole I stole the rift with like four guys around it. I stole the spark. <laughs> They're idiots. I dropped in from on top. <laughs> You're running Mita, I see. Those are all enemies. Yeah. I thought those that was your team waiting. No, the that bubble. was their bubble, and there were like four guys in the bubble, and I just I triple jumped up above them and just dropped down right in the middle, stole it, and then jumped out. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what hunters. That's what hunters do. Yeah, We're gonna have to put I mean, like X-rays DVR in the show notes or something now, so everyone can go and watch. I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I see all these screenshots. All right, Hunter Exotics Part One. We're done. That's it. Mm. I hope you liked it. And if you didn't, it doesn't matter because we're hunters and we're gorgeous, majestic beasts, and we don't need your approval. We're perfect in every way. <laughs> every way imaginable. <laughs> you don't get to hear that much from, you know, the the from Twitter and everywhere else. It's always warlocks and titans. At least what I see, it's weird. I don't know. Well, I mean, the it it goes in cycles, right? Like when when sunbreakers were first introduced, they were unstoppable. So everybody was. Oh man, Titans, 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 Titans. And then prior to that, uh, self-res warlocks in Trials. It's like, oh, Sunsinger warlock is crazy broken, especially with the ram and the overshield. Ha ha ha. And then before that, it was Blade Dancer Hunters. So OP. Lasts forever. What the heck? Yeah, it did kind of last a long time. Did you ever see the, there was a video back when, you know, a kill would give you back. Uh, some of your arc energy. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there's a video where there were a ton of thrall spawning, and this guy was infinitely killing thrall. Oh yeah, I've done that. Because it was recharge. Oh my gosh. I've I've broken. I think of a video of it where I broke blade dance. So if you use the the perk that gives you the wave, like the energy wave, and you use encore, which gives you super energy back with a kill like you can stand in front of the we've woken the hive door or stand at the bottom of the stairs in siege of the war mind and one wave will kill all six thrall or a whole pack of thrall and immediately refill your super so you can just mash the trigger and keep sending the waves out and keep getting your energy back there's actually a limit to how many times you can do that because I've just been standing there in blade dance with full energy slowly ticking down unable to do anything like you're locked out of being able to keep throwing the wave or even swing the the blade itself so yeah you can you can break arc blade by killing too many things and there's that guy who had that there's a supers glitch that he figured out where you like you have infinite super you can have like golden gun and arc blade active at the same time and then shadow shot something and then drop back in and get all your golden gun shots back and that was a big thing for a while and it worked in the crucible so it was even more broken yeah and there was a pretty epic crucible video where a guy uh timer was taken down or his something happened with his blade no it was the very beginning of the game when a guy first got his, his super, he went Blade Dancer, and one of his kills registered really awkwardly, and it ended up just giving him, like, 50-something kills. Oh, yeah, I saw that. you remember that? that? Yeah, it was just like he would just watch it tick up and up and up and up and up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just went nuts, and it said he, they won the game as soon as he hit, like, they hit the point cap, but it still kept giving him kills. <laughs> and, I mean, it was nuts, and there was so many, there were, you know, the video was cool, and, uh, there were so many people saying that like he was, you know, hacking the game and all this stuff, but man, it was it was it was legit I think from what what they found and 
it is really cool. I'll have to see if I can find that to put in the show notes because if you haven't seen that, it's just the guy's reaction is nuts. It's great. And uh, and just the final score, like, because there were hardly any kills in that whole game except for his, like, 50 or 72 or something. I don't remember. <laughs> something nuts. 51st column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that was that was cool. Can't wait to do the rest and hopefully get uh, Gabble in here. And who... Are we? Is there someone else coming? We may. We may. Have, we may have a special guest. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. Oh. We're not going to say who. Oh, okay. A very special guest. Very special. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We are going to be representing so many time zones next episode. Oh, that's right, man. Where's, where's this person? They're, like, hours ahead of us, also. Yes. But not as much as. Sure. Not- so it's like I'm in the future. <laughs> Sherb's it like literally in tomorrow. <laughs> He's like six hours, something like that, ahead of us. No, more than that. More than that. I don't know. We'll ask him when he's on. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna be covering uh, helmets next time and gloves. So I'm gonna gush about Graviton Forfeit because it's my favorite exotic in the history of everything. Uh. But I'll save some love for Celestial Nighthawk and my the young Amkar's spine, and we'll talk about what else are we gonna talk about. That was some more Dark Souls references, uh, some really dark lore, uh, and some gloves that were called one thing and then now are called another thing. And hmm. And what else? Anyway, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we'll see you next time for Hunter Exotics Part 2. This is Part 1 done. Mm. See ya. Bye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>